BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy September. We are finally in a new month. September 2nd here. Doesn't feel like it. It's hot as heck outside. It doesn't matter if you're listening from northern Utah, southern Utah. We are breaking records and it is... A heck of a, Watch I don't know language. what. I know. Sometimes I say hell. You can say it on this podcast, right? I feel like if you can say it in Cody, Wyoming, in church, you can say you it You can here. say it. Plus, yeah. it's in the scriptures, and that gives us some latitude oh, with nice. several words, nice. I think. Don't you think? Yeah, there's some harsh scriptorial words, yeah. though. Yeah, so, here we are. But it does feel like Satan's in charge of our weather this summer. It it's just been consistently <laughs> hot. Aren't we past summer into fall now? It's September, well, yes. for goodness sake. Well, technically, technically we September 22nd 20, is yeah. when summer ends ends and fall begins. But, but we should be in the 80s, right? We should be. But then if you talk to meteorologists, they say meteorological uh, fall begins on September 1st because it's easier to organize in their brains three months at a time. So they mm-hmm. do September, October, November. But we are still hot. We're headed into the Labor Day weekend. Uh, the state auditor, John Dougal, has nothing better to do today, and neither does Mara Carabello. Right. We need to be indoors. So, <laughs> thank goodness for the air conditioning. Yes, thank you for not going on an exotic <laughs> trip this weekend so we could sit around and talk. And thank you to our listeners who are still here after some weird problems on our apps. If you've been paying attention to iTunes or Spotify, months worth of our podcast disappeared and as of yesterday they are all back again where they belong better than ever better than ever so <laughs> if you'd like to go back Reworked. and re-listen to them they're all there yes we went back and um, edited the things we just didn't like about ourselves and what we thought well let's let's rewrite history uh this has been a wild week in utah like getting rid of the politics for a minute uh we're 66 days till election and you can tell if you're on social media the fighting is intense donovan mitchell love him or hate him he is gone kids even in salt lake city are back in school so um the <laughs> even universe, in salt lake even city in even salt in salt lake, lake city, city they're the last who would have happened yeah who you know yeah. Do we have a superintendent? Do we have a school board? We there? do not have a superintendent. We don't ask those questions. We <laughs> just. What's going on with Salt Lake City School District? I know, and we do have a school board member in Salt Lake City who's living in another state now, but yeah. still wanting to serve on the school board. Couple so. things to work through still, but the kids are in school. The teachers are there. Yes. So, parents, I hope you're having a nice vacation at home, <laughs> cleaning up with no one else making a tornado mess behind you. What are you saying? I'm saying that. Speaking from experience, kids make messes. Yeah. I know. I'm gonna miss my kids someday because I won't be able to pick, pick up socks in every room in the house mm-hmm. and other random things. Oh, well, empty they'll come visit once in a while. Oh, my will. son's in town. My wife's going, I posted this on Facebook a decade ago. It's still true today. It's still true. <laughs> it just happens. At mom's house, you want to take your socks off and leave empty packages around that you That's ate right. everything out of. All right. Uh, so last night, I don't know if either of you watched. I actually sat down and listened to uh, President Biden's primetime speech, which, by the way, uh, none of the networks carried, which was interesting to me. Uh, here at Channel 2, we decided not to carry it specifically because 
we like to offer our newscasts if we can. And now that you have the option of streaming, you can always provide that as an opportunity. But none of the well, networks. What, what was across the real the board, reason? Well, that's the real reason. And interestingly, it enough, wasn't breaking news. It was not breaking news. But um, I was interested um, in that the president was speaking in prime time. None of the networks decided to carry it live, and obviously that was kind of a tip off to the fact that this was more of a campaign style speech, and that wasn't necessarily the president addressing the nation. Although, I'll let you guys tell me what you think. I really think that President Biden um, and whoever plans these speeches really was going after this as he wanted it to be a moment, a unifying moment where you bring the country together or you get people excited for the midterms. But when I sat there and listened to it, it didn't seem like one of those speeches where we're going to look back 10 or 20 years from now and be like, wow, that was a really great kumbaya moment. And, uh, Mara, even if you didn't listen to the speech, did you see the pictures and the video from it? As a PR standpoint, did they make good choices? Well, so I didn't read it as a unifying. I thought what they telecasted is the kickoff of Labor Day weekend and partisan politics, actually. Oh, yeah. It was interesting that they decided to do it in prime time because, as you suggested, it wasn't like an official presidential address. No. It was a kickoff, and it was a campaign stump. And I thought what he did is lay out actually a little bit of an unusual agenda for Biden in that he did some direct attacking, which is not usually his brand. Um, He mentioned Donald Trump by name. Uh, at least three times, which is very unusual for him and has been something he's made a point of not doing. I felt like Ooh, it was... I feel like he talks about him a lot. And I'm like, he just talks about him, but he doesn't talk him. about him. Like he says MAGA a lot. Right. And so I think he was trying to differentiate and, and split the Republicans between MAGA Republicans and other Republicans. And I think he was also trying to speak to the Senate. It was a little red meat for him. Mm. Um, I the, the challenge with having candidates do stuff that I don't think is intuitive for them, and maybe this is what you're alluding to, Heidi, is that it sometimes falls short, right? Like when you're not being yourself. So I think this was supposed to be a galvanizing... Um, I think he was trying to get to the 51% that got him in there. So we know that he won in a coalition of non-Democrats. I mean, they got him there, but they didn't get him over the finish line. And I think he was trying to position himself as the president um, to helping with that unaffiliated or non-Trump Republican and seeing if he can't push some Senate races that way because they are tightening. Now, I think it's yet to be determined if he was successful in doing that. I think the what you'll see is does anybody, does any Democrat grab what he said and incorporate it into their campaign? And yeah. I suspect it's unlikely. And the interesting thing is, is if you would have watched his speech on mute, there were things that I had big question marks in my head because I think they were trying to light it in red, white, and blue. But he was only lit in red behind him. And so yeah. it sort of looked satanic, speaking <laughs> yeah. of. That's like yeah. my word of the day here. But I was like, what is what this? What were they thinking? It just seemed really, like, dark and eerie and just, like, angry. And I yeah. was like, okay, this With is... With the Marines there in the background? To, yes. You know, and even I think they were trying to be theatrical, night. but it was a little weird yeah. to see the... Which was an interesting use that you bring up that Marines were in the background in uniform and usually we don't use our armed forces traditionally in any kind of political sense or a stump speech because they're to serve no matter who the president is to serve the country. So it was well, odd and, and that they were there. Speech, there's a difference between, you know, you're out there yeah. as president versus it's more campaign-ish. And yeah. I think what you're talking is campaign-ish. 
you don't see them. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, um, starting in the White House um, briefing room in the last couple of days, and also President Biden last night, he kept using the words extreme MAGA Republicans or extremist threat to America's future. Uh, He said there can't be talk of um, illegitimate presidents, illegitimate elections, uh, no political violence. And I really think it's, you know, a message our country could probably stand to hear that, you know, we've got to figure out how to do this without political violence. The interesting thing is, is that this, well, I think under President Trump and as he was leaving with January 6th, brought it to a whole new level that we've never seen before in the Capitol. There were riots in 2016, the streets, there was looting, there was burning after President Trump was in office. Uh, There was also big turnouts of people in Washington, D.C. for women's marches that were peaceful. But I've seen this kind of growing over the years, really, I think, since the Bush versus Gore, where if you were to go back and listen, um, whether it was Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi uh, on the talk show saying this is an illegitimate president or this was stolen. And so the speech last night kind of came off as, only Republicans are bad. Um, you guys have to stop this. Maybe I heard it wrong, and I didn't hear the spirit that he wanted. But it seemed kind of angry and not let's come together, but you guys are bad. We're good. Let's go. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the message, and yeah. I think it falls flat with America. If you're trying to unify it, that is not the way. You don't go poke people in the eye and call them idiots and basically divide yourself. But the simple fact is there are problems on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and folks on both sides of the aisle have talking about illegitimate president, illegitimate court, this, that, and the other. Folks on both sides of the aisle have exercised improper violence and other things like that. And and him going out there, I, I, you know, I know lots of folks that call him the nanny in chief. And that's, in essence, kind of what he was doing here. You know, being a little more, you know, outside of his norm, being so dogmatic about what he was saying, but still lecturing people about why he's right and they're wrong. Yeah. So I just, I think it bears saying, I find it an unapt comparison to say that what people said a few elections ago about they shouldn't be elected or they don't have a mandate. I don't think there's a direct comparison to what happened on January 6th. So no, I just I think, think it bears saying difference. that it is yeah. vastly different. And the language, the casual, the more casual use 10 years ago of, oh, I didn't want this person. These are systematic and include actions saying that there was an illegitimate American election. And that hasn't ever happened. And I, at least in my lifetime. So I, I want to differentiate January, the, the, the actions around the Trump administration not accepting the election results has been something we've never seen from a White House. And, well, and, and Bush was, Gore didn't do that. They accepted the election. So I, yes. I just want to be clear that I do not think that those are fair I think comparisons. they're different, but I think that um, nothing happens in a vacuum. And when you start to look over the years, it seems like the cries of illegitimate elections have kind of been building over the last, you know, 10, 12, 15 years of, you know, this wasn't fair. Um, it yeah. was illegitimate. He's not the real president when you listen to Hillary Clinton. So obviously what happened this last election cycle was vastly different. But it seems to me there's been a building anger, a building frustration of us versus them in the country. And I think Americans in general are hungry for someone to maybe throw some water on that fire. But I don't feel like this speech threw water on it last night. Obviously, it was more of a stump speech. But the question is, did the president find those people who are in the middle, whether left of center, right of center, if they're, you know, um, not affiliated with the party? Did he talk into any of them with that speech into 
maybe moving to the left. Is yeah, the so, yeah I mean, I think this was an election speech, and I think yeah. it sounded like one, and it didn't sound like a unifying speech, yeah. but I don't think it was his intent. So we might fault him for not being presidential at that moment. He was definitely more the head of his party at that moment, and I don't think it does make sense. I don't think that, that swing voters... <laughs> Are listening to Biden, and I think so. I think that's who Especially he intended to talk to, but I don't think he, he they were listening to him. You don't um, think swing voters are listening? I don't that's think his hope. Yeah, that's his hope. I think they're listening to their local candidates. I mean, I do think they're paying more attention, and I do think that there is a group of both re- of Americans who who are rejecting the tactics of of MAGA nation, if you will. And I'm going to the extreme of that. I'm not speaking to maybe the ideological points behind it, but sort of the rhetoric. And you're saying something I think that we're hearing more and more, but I hear also some more cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. about we continue to say, man, the rhetoric keeps ratching up, which I think is what I feel worried about. But as John said, both sides. I'm equal opportunity offenders. Yes. I have no preference for which side is becoming more extreme. But I'm worried that it's going up and you said this, so I get to say this, and then you say that. But here's where the dissonance is. The voters are responding to it. So we have to look inward when we say, why are the politicians saying this garbage at us? And my contention is because you're buying it. So if we want to shut it down, then don't respond to it. And, yeah. and I would point out, there's, there's a group of folks, some unaffiliated, many that are Republicans that aren't really fans of Trump right now, nor fans of Biden. And exactly. they're sitting there lost, not knowing who's our, where, who's our where person. to go, I know. what, what do we do? There's someone else we can look to, but, yeah. But you I think also it's the look, majority, actually, of voters. Yeah, but yeah. you look, and there's a dynamic where I, I think society has a increasing distrust of our institutions over time, whether it's our political institutions like that, our police or other things like that. So one of the things that was interesting is Biden talking about, you know, he's pro-police. And and I know that's not necessarily a shift for him personally, but it's kind of a broader shift. Against the Democratic line, I think, right now. Or at least historically, defund the police seems to be softening right now versus a couple years ago. Yeah, I think I mean, think there was a group of activists who wanted to defund the police. I think most Americans didn't buy in. And then you realize the when you got shot, it's, you might want them to respond. It's absolutely the left of center rally cry. Um, but I don't know. You I want I to respond like in with good response times. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, want to get the response. Well, here, this was not on our agenda today, but this is our transition to uh, local politics. Uh, we were just talking about this on the way in. I'm going to bring this up super quickly. Uh, we got some numbers from the Salt Lake City Police Department uh, today. Uh, I don't know that we've really talked to them about the changes, but they sent out a press release talking about response times. And if you remember, um, this has been a big issue with one of the University of Utah football players who was shot. Other stories where uh, calls are made in extreme circumstances where you want help there fast and it doesn't always happen. So they say that overall that they are improving their response times. And priority one, uh, they say, was at 11 11 minutes, 27 seconds, an improvement of six minutes from August of last year. So, Mara, you... And what is priority one? What does that mean? You live with a police officer. Right, I mean, it's sort of you've been stabbed. You're in an imminent danger. It's not a fender bender. It's not something that... It requires immediate reaction. Yeah. And when you think about immediate reaction, still, 
I'm thinking 11 minutes when yeah. someone you love has been shot, if there's an intruder in your home. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's better, but that's still a long time. You Can know, you imagine how long that is when you're waiting? No, I mean, I can't. It's too long. I, I will always say the men and women who serve as officers are top shelf. They are doing public service, and I always want to respect those who are in the field. But I think that shows lack of leadership, and I'm a little bit offended that you're promoting your mediocrity. I just It's what I don't like about about bureaucracy. I'm like, really? You send out a press release saying, it's like well, we're prices, slightly less, less lame than we used to be. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, go government. So I just see that as an indictment of the leadership and I'll thank the men and women who serve. Yeah. And if you're wondering, priority two calls, um, would that be more of a car crash? Yeah. And you know, we're still seeing my threes, which are burglary or entrance. Um, we're still seeing those can be up to a couple of days, yeah. if not ever. Yeah. And so those are down to 19 minutes and 38 seconds, down four minutes from last year on priority three calls. Uh, the police said they can be there in an hour instead of an hour and a half. So yeah. And that's if they show. Bad. We still have some no-shows. So if you have sort of a homeless problem, which you're apt to do if you have a business like I do downtown, or if you have a burglary, or if you have like a spooky incident where you're just not sure what happened, those can often be a day or two after. And this feeds Next. into when we talk about gun control and all those type of topics, this is why there's so many folks going, hey, if the police are going to respond this slowly... I need to do something myself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the good news is this is just a managed, man. Salt Lake PD is well-staffed. I mean, they have enough resources. Everybody wants more resources, but they have enough resources. So the good and bad news is it's just um, leadership who's not able to apply those resources. So we could change it if we wanted. All right. Well, the good news is it's less bad. It's less it's bad. Don't less worry. Bad. You will maybe not bleed out. Breaking <laughs> news. I know. And the crazy thing is, is we've talked about this before, but sometimes you look at those level two or level three responses, and sometimes those turn into one. And if you were able to get there faster because there was a noise complaint, uh, you would have maybe Prevented. stopped a shooting yeah. that would have happened because people got mad at their neighbors and decided that the right. best way to solve the problem was to have shoot them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, Local politics still, uh, this is interesting to me how much um, of a divide happens in our state, but, oh wait, I'm not going to go there yet. Congressional debates, we've got to uh, go over this really quick. We, we were talking um, last week about whether or not um, the Senate debate was going to happen. There has been a debate set there, and they're actually going to be the first ones on October 4th. Everyone else is set. They're all um, a couple days apart, heading from the ten, uh, the 4th to the 14th of October. So um, I am excited that we'll have these debates happening. Everyone is participating. And um, we can all rest easy knowing that everyone's willing to play with the whole Yeah, well done process. debate commission for locking yes. these all in. So I'll be interested to see how everyone uh, shakes out there and how they... I don't know how they work because obviously the primary debates were not very exciting. Yeah. Because right. sometimes people did not show up. The, so. the monologues. <laughs> yes. So the good news, those debates are happening. But uh, what I was referring did to a second ago. Did you have cardboard cutouts for those? Um, no. Cardboard cutouts creep me out. I know here in Utah, sometimes, <laughs> like, if you have a missionary, you, like, print them on a cardboard cutout and you'll and take them to a wedding or other oh, nice. places where yeah. you wish they were. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't like that. We actually have a cardboard. This is why you stay away from movie theaters? Yes. We have a cardboard <laughs> cutout of Rod Decker here at the station, and we keep it around, and it's in this back room, and sometimes I walk by it, and I, like, sort of gasp because he just thinks someone's around the corner there, so. Do you get a booming voice? Rod Decker, KUTV News. No, I don't hear that. Mark Cobell, he's a really great impersonator of does Rod he Decker. Do a good Rod Decker. Yes, and he does a good um, one of when he was doing a live shot. This is so random. But I think he says, um, 
It's something about Hooters and chicken. Some people don't like oh, it. Oh, where are we going with this? I don't know. It's something about people like chicken, people like Hooters, but some people don't like it. And so he has all these great lines that Mark Cabell can go in the we Rod Decker We always did a special do. prep when you were interviewing with Rod Decker back in the day. Oh, what because, was the prep? Well, it's just inevitably you know this. Rod Decker led with like, John, why do you hate him so much? And you just so are you like, had to be ready. Because <laughs> I just do. And it was always like, well, why do you think they suck? And you're like, what? I don't don't even know about this question so I always had to prep and say just know that somewhere in the first couple of questions just he's going to just ask you why you hate something so much why you think they're so bad and he was so good at it because people would freeze and and he would get the best responses which is so fun I it miss Rod Decker I kind of do too and and he asked them he just asked these insanely unanswerable direct questions he was I liked it. So direct, and yet technology what is, was not his thing. Not his thing. <laughs> like, I remember when he had to have a cell phone. Um, you know when your phone says low bat, yeah. like for low battery? He's like, who's low bat, and why do they keep calling me? And we're like, okay. And he would wave his mic around, yes. and people would sort of well, chase him. I, I, just, I, I, I can remember him. him in the house chambers, and he's recording something, and his voice is just booming across the chambers and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. off camera, he was a really nice guy. Well, we can re- awesome. reenact Rod Decker events with I your know. cutout. Random thoughts by us. Maybe the next podcast he should come I in. should bring him in here because <laughs> he was the one who began Take Two so many years ago. Oh, so. that's right. Yes. Well, he should join us. I know. All right. Next week what he will be with us. What is this podcast thing you kids are talking <laughs> about? Are I know, right? We should invite him in here. Okay. So this is the thing that I'm kind of surprised that there's so much kind of back and forth on. But the UDOT plan right now for the Little Cottonwood Canyon is it do we need more buses? Do we need to widen the road? UDOT finally came out with what I think we all kind of know or at least I felt like they were heading towards the gondola plan. But um, Mr. State Auditor, uh, the Salt Lake City Mayor, the Salt Lake County Mayor, are both um, against this, really against this. They want people to speak out. If you're just hearing about this, you still have 45 days where you can talk to the state. You can give them their ideas of what you think should happen. Uh, my gut feeling is, is if this is what they're saying is best, that they'll probably ultimately go with it in the end. Um, why is there so much pushback do you think from people who say this is not the right option this is not the way we should go Uh, I think part of the dynamic is you don't have great options you got two difficult options and you're trying to decide between two difficult options rather than hey gee clearly we should just do this because a lot of folks are saying we don't want to expand the road we don't want to have extra vehicles on the road that's a problem versus gondola with whatever you know, visual pollution or other dynamics that that might bring into play. And they're concerned about that. And so we're dealing with two difficult, challenging situations trying to choose between them. And they're both also very expensive. They are very expensive. Is there one that you think would be best or are they both just bad options and you have to figure out the less bad option? uh, You know, I, it's not really something that's germane to where I live and I don't go up little Cottonwood Canyon very often. And, and I was a little surprised how much put pushback there was on the gondola I thought you know people would view that as hey this is cool and vogue whatever and I just naively assumed that a bunch of people would say that and so I'm I'm a little surprised by all the pushback yeah all right Mara what do you think because uh, they're both in line here they say we don't want it 
I have to start by saying I'm with the Gondola Works Coalition. So Ooh, I, you I are. know How I am. Did I not know this. I don't about know. You. I, when you were, I, so I you're saying you gondolas did. work? I thought you did. So I've been going to out myself, and so then I'm going to um, tell you why I align this way. So UDOT, this is an EIS process, an environmental yeah. impact statement, which is what UDOT which does really before it recommends something. So mm-hmm. it, that's what we're responding to. And it doesn't necessarily guarantee that something gets done, but it's the first step to authorizing a project. UDOT's been working on this for four years. Um, it started out with 124 options and over four years they've narrowed it down to two options they have taken over 14,000 comments which is almost like three times as much as legacy highway did which was the next sort of big issue and i think for me well, the reason legacy highway i was part of a group that yeah. settled the lawsuit on that right so. and so i think the reason it's so passionate is in part because it's a really activist neighborhood that we're talking about and this issue has been actively studied and debated for 30 years. So I think at that point, you've just like, these issues become perennially um, yeah. opposed. Now, the gondola is actually the cheaper option, which people don't point out a lot. Which is bizarre to me. Both yeah. options would be taxpayer-funded. Both options have the same stops. Both options sort of, it's it, they're, it's UDOT looking at both options. Um I just think gondola is forward thinking. It is environmental. And I think one of the two policy things that I see keep getting conflated, I see this in Jenny Wilson, I think she's conflating two issues. And for me, you have to separate what's the infrastructure that I want and then have a separate policy discussion about use and growth. And Mm -hmm. in Utah, we're going to have more and more discussions about use. Arches, for the first time, had reservation systems. Do we like that? We now have to reserve campsites. Do we like that? For the first time, growth has caught up with us, and Utahns are saying, wait, maybe we can't use to preserve our natural environment. Maybe we can't use it all the time. I think on this, they're conflating it, and they should say, first and foremost, what's the infrastructure that I want? And then after that, there's the question of how many people should we let up, not only little and big, but all places. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the example there would be the gondola. If you wanted to, in 10 years, restrict access, you would. You would not put 50 cabs up. You'd put 10 cabs up or whatever the policy discussion is. I'm really surprised that the Democrats seem to be the ones against it because the environmental option is the gondola. And so I'm a little confused about sort of it feels. Well, why do you think the, that's the environmental option? Because it, it's not reliant on diesel buses. It's not road widening, which cuts significantly. It saves boulder routes. And it takes away almost 90% of the acreage required to put it in. What it has going against it is you have these big towers. And so they're ugly, right? Like no doubt about it, they're ugly. But if you just looked from a water and wildlife and noise impact, it, it's just sort of unquestionably a, a lighter footprint. If, if, if the mark of... If the test and measure of environmental is impact, it's just a lighter impact on the natural world around us. That's so why it seems to me, sorry, um, I definitely thought, you know, listening to this, and I don't know as much as some people yeah. who've really dug into it and I read about it, but it seemed to me that it was definitely the more forward thinking, definitely I thought um, more Democrats would align with it. I would Not too. that it makes a difference between, I mean, no. like, because I think this really shouldn't be a Republican and Democrat issue. Yeah. I mean, if you. But by stereotype. Nature, yes, yeah. but stereotyping <laughs> is the weird thing, but I mean, definitely. Definitely a change has to happen. Uh, interestingly enough, I think that even in the last 10 years, it's gotten increasingly worse every single year when you go up the canyon there to go skiing. When I moved back to Utah 11 years ago and started teaching my kids to ski, uh, 
what you were dealing with to go up on a Saturday morning to ski was vastly different than what you're dealing with now where yeah. you can actually get up there before it's noon for lunchtime and not get up at four in the morning or get home before eight o'clock at night because there was so right. much on the way down. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. John, I interrupted you. I was just curious. So Mayor Wilson. Yeah. Why, why is she choosing buses? What is her motivation she's, on the buses? She will tell you she's not choosing buses. I, I think I'm accurate about it. She'll say, I'm not choosing buses. I want to increase... I don't want to make a decision yet. I want to still incrementally study that. She's saying, so, she's saying, so let's, UDOT's phased approach that they're talking about right now it, feeds it's a, a little bit into It's a concession to that her. feedback for okay. sure. And I was a little surprised she came out guns a blazing because I felt like I, in my reading of it, it heard that it heard sort of let's go. Now I would say that we have been doing bus. We do We've been doing all of her suggestions. I think she just wanted more of them and more thinking. Now often though the old let's study it more is sort of a delay tactic to just say I don't want to do anything. Let somebody else have this. And in the their challenge legacy. is I feel like Utah is heading this way on not just this issue but a bunch of issues where we're like hold off, hold off, and I'm like. The problem's it's here, too late. and we yeah. lose choices, and we damage things when we don't suck it up and say yes. Do we all wish it was the way it was when we were little? Sure, but it's not. So being proactive now, I think, I think is how to do it. Well, we advertise greatest snow on earth, and we welcome people to the state yeah. and everything like we that. And then we start welcoming people. And then we, we need start to stop welcoming. getting annoyed with the growth that comes and and the visitors that are here. But and we tout the fastest growing, and we love our economy, but yeah. it comes with a price. But so the phasing that yeah. UDOT has proposed yeah. probably means that some are hoping that we just do the phasing and we never actually get to the final build the gondola. For sure. And to be clear, you know what will happen next is, you, as Heidi said, um, you have until October. 17th to submit your comments. UDOT has indicated, though, this is their preferred choice. They're following a very prescribed process. Yeah. They're not going to change the choice, but they're hearing nuances and use it. and what do you and they really listen well i'm going to give a shout out to josh van Juren, who i don't know well but he is the project manager for this and i mean they're by the book so after the 17th though they will they will tweak it and then they'll list it as a preferred recommendation Everyone believes that after that, a lawsuit will be filed. It will likely be by Save Our Canyons. And then after the lawsuit, we'll just see how quickly they expedite it. And then you're looking at funding and does the legislature choose to not choose our funding. A bonus of gondolas, I think it would attract a public-private partnership if that was appealing to the state legislature. I think there's room for private financing in a gondola that no one's interested in so private financing from the buses ski resorts that but would have them as no i know or? that i know that there are investment equity banks who think gondolas are worth investing in in part because of the echelon that it puts a civic area mm. and they've invested in other infrastructure like this so i think you might find investment banks now the state might not find that appealing and that's fair but i think there's opportunities to look at interesting public private the other thing that's ironic is udot is really we think of them as concrete and asphalt. Yeah. For them to propose a gondola and not a road is kind of outside their norm. For sure. And they had to be tested on they it. They study air, airspace, too, in case we might be able to fly our cars like the Jetsons someday. Ooh. So Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they should have proposed that. Yeah. 
that would be nice. Jetson, now we just, by the way. Well, now remind me, what this. was the year in the Jetsons? Uh, it's been a, I think it was like are, 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 last are we year. there now? <laughs> I know. And the interesting thing is, uh, maybe I'm just like West Side weirdo, but to me it seemed like the ritzy idea to have the gondolas. And maybe it's because it doesn't affect my backyard. I just look at the mountains and I so drive gonna, up there. I Where's the gondola for the West Side? I think you're totally right. And I think the opponents have done a good job making it bougie. Because actually the buses are more expensive. And yet it yes. does feel like, oh, you guys, here you go with your fancy gondola and yet i'm like if you're talking about the cost of infrastructure and the case i would make if you don't use the canyons it's essentially the same case we're making about the olympics do you want to raise the level of attractiveness and appeal what kind of class of city and capital cities are a little different than Mm -hmm. subsequent cities and so this notion of appeal and civic pride um really cool like the Iger in Switzerland, Colombia. It's not just sort of European rich people. It's a lot of forward leaning. LA just proposed a system in which they might use a gondola. Um just because it's so durable. Just yeah. because short of like a hurricane, it can rock and roll. But it does feel I get that it intuitively it feels a little bougie, but it's cheap. It is cheap. Er, and I sorry, think it's, it's a not, not in my it's backyard It's cheaper problem. than buses. Don't you yeah. think that a lot of people on the um, East Bench probably don't want the towers going up in the For canyon sure. or they can see them from your multi-million dollar house? It's a lot like I don't want a Walmart, but I do want to run errands there in my backyard. Those opposed noticeably garage. are the neighbors who are wealthy who live in the area who essentially want us all to stay off the canyon. But I'd love to ski up there. I know. So I don't I mean, like, like, and summertime use more and more. I, I mean, know. And I'm over here trying to figure out what bougie means. That's right. <laughs> See, that's good. It's $5 word. That's good. Well, Frugal Dougal should not know what bougie means. I know. I actually <laughs> went up the canyon uh, last Sunday, and I was planning on going up further little Cottonwood Canyon, but it was so busy that I literally just stopped at the earliest spot to hike and just went there because oh, it wasn't like, for a soccer game this. no soccer game we had a soccer uh free weekend and so we went um hiking for a minute but yeah at some point i was like i don't want to deal with the traffic so. see picture yourself on a gondola i know relaxing with I'd your say, wife come on down to american fort canyon but <laughs> at a point it's we'll so, say no stay away so, yeah. i was raised in kearns in west jordan so maybe i just don't know all the rules right but if i'm on a gondola and i'm riding down after skiing and my toes are frozen like when i get in my car i take the boots off i let my toes air out i wiggle them is that allowed or is that going to be against the rules and I'm, like not very kosher. I'm gonna say yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say is strip, a, strip down in the cab of the gondola. Oh yes. wow! Is this a glass floor <laughs> gondola? It is. Well, I mean, they don't know yet. Good news is the likely um, manufacturer is a Utah company, or it has a Utah base. It's not from Utah. So yeah, the one the, the renderings I have seen have a glass option choice, but it is like a 360 all around um, one. It's not like the trams we have at skis. It's a little more. It's bigger, and it's a little more durable than that. Okay. You just have to be careful with them. Do you see that video of Snowbird dropping their new tram this yeah, summer? Yeah, so that's why I'm like, it's not that tram. But that <laughs> yes. was quite something. Be very <laughs> careful. Uh, Mr. Dougal, your former running mate, uh, has been named a senior advisor to Governor Cox, Amy Winder Newton. Uh, the governor's opening a new office of families. Have you talked to her about this? What is it going to do? What's it going to change? Actually, I talked to her about a month or so Ooh, ago. Ooh, so you've been it. in the know. In the know. She had been approached about this. She was considering it, stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. So I talked briefly with her. You know, it sounds like an interesting opportunity for her. She's passionate about family issues and stuff like that. As I understand it, the governor is looking to say, not how do we get government more in the lives of families, but how do we get it 
reduce its impact on families and support the families without interfering with them? And how do we look across what's going on in government to, to streamline and simplify that is well, my understanding. Well, if we want to pare down government and make it smaller, let's say from the Republican viewpoint, this is making government bigger. How will they do that? Well, so the question will be uh, what actually happens. I'm talking about the intents versus, mm-hmm. you know, what may be the reality. But if it actually pares down other activities, you can sometimes put in um, a facilitator, uh, ombudsperson or something like that that helps streamline other processes and, and reduces the activities there. So we'll have to see. Uh, if she's successful in that. I mean, I think she's a very smart, talented woman, and she can do a great job. All right. So I had a chance to talk to Amy about this on Wednesday, and I think one of the things that's interesting that John knows as well is she they're still figuring it out. Not that they don't have an – I mean, they have a vision, vision, but they don't know yet the workings. Um, I, though, am pleased that it's Amy because – Amy is a can-doer and only works, like, in fast gear. Because I, too, Heidi, was a little suspect of you trimming down government by adding another office. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't do math really well, but, but <laughs> more is more. Plus, plus. When I asked that, she said a, a version of what John just said. She said, you know, for example, if we're looking at child protection, maybe there's a way that she could look at two or three divisions or departments and see some synergies or see some areas um, that may take and give. The other thing I really appreciated about her statements are um, a, an emphasis on including all kinds of families. Yes. Not defining it one way, but rather defining it by grandparents who may be raising people. Or maybe it's a traditional family, or maybe it's an LGBTQ family, or maybe it's a foster family, but that it we're not, I hope we resist the urge to to type and judge who wants to deem themselves a family, but rather look at familial units, whether they are born to it or whether they're chosen to it. And she seemed to emphasize that, and I appreciate that. Also, for those of you who are just tracking Amy, it's not a conflict with her Salt Lake County Council seat. So she is still standing, and she's still running, and she could still serve as a Salt Lake County Council member. Um, But I am interested to see how they make this efficient and effective because I too am a little like so you're trimming down the government by adding a new office but if anyone can do it it's Amy all right I'll be interested to see and I think that we can't go wrong with supporting families of all kinds right now because when you listen to people talk um I mean, having good, solid families that get what they need, they get the help that they need, that's what makes our society, our economy, and everything run smoothly when people are uh, feeling supported and getting the support they need. So I'll be interested to see how that uh, works out. Um, I saw some interesting numbers. Actually, the Salt Lake Tribune wrote an article on it, and I looked up um, the research, but it said that Salt Lake City is alive and well post-pandemic, and it said that... Better than ever. I know, but I don't know if I believe these numbers. So this study kind of looked at people's cell phone data and said that um, we're up 155% of levels a year prior to the pandemic. So they kind of looked prior. They said that people, um, so when they track their cell phones, are at coffee shops or they're um, getting a beer with their friends or maybe hiking City Creek Canyon or whatnot. I don't know if this really means Salt Lake City's back because the numbers sound more glorious than what I see in real life. Mara, you work downtown What do you see in real life? In real life, maybe I live a sheltered life, but I spend a lot of time on Main Street and State Street. Especially in the evenings. Especially in the evenings. (laughs) I feel like the homeless problem is up, which um, they also have cell phones, so they could be tracked, and so maybe uh, they're trying to miss. Yes. But a lot of the business fronts um, that used to be there uh, pre-pandemic are now empty. There's not businesses there. I work in the Wells Fargo Tower, uh, 26 stories. I have no idea how many people work here 
in here on a daily basis. Maybe, maybe half of them. Maybe. But the thing is, is during like the height of the pandemic, you know, if there were like six cars in the parking garage, you know, whoever was working for KUTV at the time, that was it. Uh, there's cars back again. There's six stories of cars, but I think if you went past the second or third, it's empty. So I know that the city's not back to what it was. Do you think that the city's back just in different ways? I've or? had this exact same experience. So I read this article whenever, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I actually was so confused by it. I did go to their website and they have these fixed charts. They have three or four of them. And I stared at them for a while and I'm like, how are they yeah. thinking that we're 155% more active? I've had the same experience. I from work- pre -pandemic. Yeah, from pre-pandemic. Not, not from a year exactly. ago. Pre-pandemic. Right. So, so they're saying building upon, and I work two blocks north of Heidi, yeah. so have the same area. Our parking, which is my task of COVID nobody, and now, yeah, it's fuller, but, you know, used to be pre-pandemic. After lunch, if you went back, you had to park all the way on the other side and walk off. No, I'm still just 10 down. Like, it, it's a little more crowded, but it's not even close. Yeah. And we park in City Creek. Like, we park in City Creek parking. And so... I don't see the lines um, in Starbucks, if you will. I don't see the crowds. Now, when you looked into the details of this, it was a market study. It was driven by a market company. And they were doing, as you said, moment in time, point by point. So it didn't even count anything beyond the CBD. I mean, they didn't say the CBD. Yeah. It was the central business district that they were counting. But still... I kept thinking, what are they looking for? Because I'm not seeing retail come back. Um, City Creek for a while was closing early, even post-pandemic. Some stores still do. If you yeah. want to return something to Banana Republic, it's not a for sure six. thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I, too, read this, took the time to still look at it, saw the rankings. They had all the numbers, but it didn't feel like my experience downtown. Yeah, and especially, too, even if you just take into account the traffic of people who come down to Temple Square and um, who come to the conference center, uh, I mean, the fact that uh, they chose a great time during yeah. the pandemic to be doing all of their renovations yeah, and their work, but I think a large number of people who would normally be downtown for even that specific thing haven't come back, and so it's yeah. just interesting to me. So, anyhow. The, the traffic, you know, on I-15 seems to have come back. So I when agree, I'm yeah. Where in the are they evening, all going? I don't know. Don't know. Because downtown, it does seem to be quieter. Mm -hmm. But I will note at the Capitol, I live a sheltered life because I'm working at the Capitol, it looks like the Chinese tourists are back. Okay. They've been gone for the pandemic. The buses we, are back. But we, Yeah, we used to get tons of buses with tourists from China coming through to see our great capital. I think they'd fly Well, the in. records show we're also at full employment, right? I mean, yeah. we've hit those numbers. Yeah, so it's interesting because it, it's, yeah, some things don't make sense. I agree. I used to be able to get to work in like 15, 16 right. minutes, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. That's up and worse than ever. You know, the traffic's back. But where are these Events going? seem to be, like when I go to an event, it's back They're to busy. event crowds. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't get the day by day, the moment in time, like on a Saturday or a, like Tuesday at 10 o'clock. But hey, we're up. We're, we're on we'll a ranking. We'll tank a ranking. Any, a good ranking will tank. I know. Maybe everyone's coming downtown and just riding the Lime scooters around. <laughs> that is right. And yeah. riding around the Temple Square construction. Yeah. So, Could I don't be. know. So, Could be. interesting numbers, I guess. Um, you always have to dig deeper into them to see what they really mean. Um, you can't just go on the press release. You cannot just go on the press release. Uh 
there are going to be a lot of press releases coming up in the days to come because, like you said, uh, Labor Day is here. The gloves are coming off. Kickoff time. I know. Kickoff for the election that is coming our way in 66 days. So we hope you guys stay involved, educate yourselves, and get ready for what will be an exciting and fair election in November (laughs) of 2022. Right after we get done with Labor Day. Yes. If we can just all survive Labor Day in the heat. Drink lots of water. Air conditioning and ice. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for another week. Have a great one. Tell your friends about us, and we will be back next week.